Welcome to Teacher in Sign Podcast. got uh, Stephen Horn with me today. Uh, Stephen, you and I are only really recent. Uh, yeah, recently I, ran across each other, right? Yeah, we did. I just like less than a month ago, I mm-hmm. started, I found your uh, YouTube channel, started watching your videos and I thought, wow. Like you're, you're still like, watching them. Actually, what, I think what, you're going. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm still going through them. I thought, uh, what a kindred <clears throat> spirit. I mean, like so many of the things you talk about are things that the spirit has like been trying to teach me, help me understand and, and unfold it to my understanding. So that's why I really am ha- grateful for this opportunity to talk to you. And I feel the same way because it's, it's interesting because I have to think sometimes like, when did I meet this person? When did we first meet up? When did he know about me? <laughs> because it always astonishes me. It's like, okay, he only recently came across my channel, but look at this. He's got all these testimonies, all these witnesses over the years, things that similar things that the Lord has taught me, you know, and taught others. And it's just, it's just amazing to me. It, it well, really yeah. is gratifying and, and, and just beautiful. And know. also since I, I come from the Salt Lake you know, yeah. LDS tradition, you're the RLDS tradition, and yet God is guiding us to the same place. You yeah. know, I think that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it used to be you could hardly really talk these two sides, you know, because they had so much tradition on both sides that just were loggerheads, you know. Um, and, you know, I always thought, well, the problem was on that end. <laughs> uh, and. <laughs> That's the way we are as humans, right? It's well, it they've is. got all these, they got is. all these issues. I little did I know how many issues <laughs> we had on our end. Um, so, <laughs> religion is nasty that way. <laughs> oh yeah, actually, I, I I've been out of organized religion for about twenty years. Yeah, and I uh, and I have had a hard time figuring out where I belong and where to go, and because mm-hmm. I, on one hand I'm. I kind of think of myself like I'm partly an evangelical Christian, you know, uh, who born again in the spirit, you know, blah, 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 Mormon. but I believe in the book of Mormon. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, so I don't fit in the Mormon church yep. and I don't fit in the, in the evangelical yep. world. Really. I'm kind of like halfway in between the two yeah. and it's tough and I, it's, it's difficult because yeah. when I go out and I'm, well, my wife is Orthodox. She's from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And I and I wow. would go to the Orthodox Church with her, and man, I'd say if you want to talk about authority, I think they have <laughs> the best claim on authority of anybody because all sure. of them, all of them can trace their ordinations, but no, back to the apostles. Yeah, back yeah. to the apostles, and yeah. they do not like the Catholic Church have a central organization. Okay, they have independent yeah. groups of, of churches that are headed by yeah. a thing. They decide things by by prayer and councils. And I thought, you know, yeah, but tough. but they are so steeped in tradition. Oh yeah. According to them, you know, I think it was Philip who started painting icons. I guess probably yeah. to to you know pictures to illustrate concepts. And so yeah. they've been painting icons ever since. Yeah. Uh, but they also say we're the true church. We're the only yeah, true church. Everybody else yeah. is is her, 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 heretics. It's amazing. And yeah, I. And it, Used to be that way with used to be that way with Baptists and stuff. They used to be kind of well with the true church. You know, that was a long time ago. Now they've they've changed their tune a little bit, but uh 
yeah. Yeah, and that and that's just the thing I have a hard time with is because of you know, like I wrote on your Facebook thing, um, when Jesus appeared to me in a dream and asked me to leave the Mormon Church. Uh, what he communicated to me was his true church was all those who had surrendered their hearts to him and were being guided by his spirit. Mm -hmm. And he said, I have them in all the denominations. Yeah. They're, they're the, the lights I've put there to help the people who are in those different churches to, to get closer to me. And that totally changed my way of, of seeing things. Cause I, I, I see people and I can tell they have the spirit. There yeah. was a, uh, or went to an Orthodox uh, church meeting in Salt Lake with my wife and that guy, he gave a sermon and it was so powerful and, and the spirit was there. Yep. And, it, and I knew he was, what he was teaching was true. And it was about the Mount of Transfiguration. It was a teaching of the church fathers. Yeah. It wasn't Jesus who was transfigured. Yeah. The apostles were transfigured so that they could see Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> He, you know, he was still the, the same being he always was, but they had to be, they had to be transformed inside to perceive him. And I thought that was a, an amazing sermon for all of us. We have to be the ones who are transformed in order to come to a relationship with him. He doesn't change. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Lord had to teach that to me over a period of years. And it, it's, it's a weird thing. I don't know if I'm hard headed or it just takes a while to penetrate or I got to You got to soak me for a while, I guess, and whatever it is oh. to absorb. But but he'll show me something and then he'll show it to me again and then again and again. And every time I feel like I'm newly converted to the idea, even though I know I already knew it. But it's sort of like, wow, that's this is true. You know, no, that's happened to me. And I think and I think it happens to anybody who because you your brain is so caught up in what you mm -hmm. have been taught yeah and there and then when you your god's trying to tell well it's not really like that mm -hmm. it takes a while for your neurons to reconfigure That's themselves right. to, get some new uh neuro what are they called bridges <laughs> neuro or whatever pathways those, neuro pathways thank yes. you yes yeah you got to reestablish yeah. some new ones you got to break down those old ones <laughs> and it, so. it's it's a process it's definitely a process yeah well i definitely would this is, I want you to definitely be telling some of these testimonies that you've written about that I've read because they're extraordinary, but let's start with your, let's just start with your really interesting Mormon history because you go way back. So I don't, we can't leave that out. I, I want you to tell that. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I am a, a descendant of Joseph Horn, who was a personal friend of John Taylor and was converted uh, in John Taylor's home by Parley P. Pratt on a mission to Canada. And uh, every line of my family tree goes back at least three, usually four generations. Uh, I'm descendant of several polygamous yeah. <laughs> families too. Um, you know, they, they crossed the plains. My, um, John Taylor said my great, great grandfather, Joseph Horton was the most dependable man in the church. And, mm -hmm. and my family, the Horn family ha has been known for their just, faithfulness, their dependency, their just down to earth honesty. Yeah. Uh, I was just raised in that. And another thing I wanted to say that was really interesting in the family of my great grandfather, Richard Stephen Horn, that's my namesake for Stephen. Um, one of his daughters was very ill. She had been blessed by a number of people, including some general authorities, but she was not recovering. And uh, one day she expressed that she hoped she could die in the summer instead of in the winter. Mm. <laughs> and her 
with her younger brother, who was 14 years old, his name was Arthur there. Um, and it so worried Arthur that he just suddenly blurted out, you know, don't worry, Lizzie, God is going to heal you. And then he said, in wow. fact, he's going to heal you tomorrow. Wow. Then he goes like, what did I say? <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and, 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 and so he, the rest of the day, he just he prayed and, 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 and that night he had three visions. Hmm. Um, 14 years old, the first one, he saw his family in a pillar of light with Satan and his angels around the light, trying to get to the family. Uh, Lizzie in the center. One of his older brothers stuck his elbow out and the demons grabbed a hold of it and tried to pull him out of the light and the rest of the family pulled him back in. And then a, a, a light came down through the middle of the other light rested on Lizzie and the dove came down. Wow. And it was immediately given to understand that light was faith. As long as they had faith in, in Christ, they were protected from the wiles of the devil. But when uh, they began to doubt, the devil would have power over them. And this, then the other one was that Lizzie was going to be healed. Then the the like the it was like this light. The sun came up, and the, all the demons departed except for two. Went over in the corner. An angel appeared to him, told him he was going to be an instrument in the hands of God in healing his sister Elizabeth, hmm. and um, that he must never take credit for it because it was going to be done by the power of God. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, he and then he was shown. He was told that the family was supposed to commemorate this every year and it would keep them strong in the faith. And then uh, he saw a vision of the next day. My my grandfather had was up in the hills gathering wood with the great grandfather. Mm -hmm. He saw a vision of coming back with the wood. He went out and asked his, in the vision. He asked his uh, father, does a deacon have authority to rebuke disease? And his father said yes. He saw himself to go back in the house. Satan stood in the doorway and tried to block him from getting in, but he managed to get past him. He took his sister by the hand, commanded her to be made whole in the name of Jesus. She was instantly healed. Wow. So the next day, he told this to the family. And they all believed him except his older brother, John, whose elbow had gone out of the light. Yeah. And, and his mom said, we should all fast and pray that this happens. <laughs> and John didn't want to. <laughs> and they mm -hmm. finally persuaded him to. But then when, when, just as in the vision, he saw, you know, my grandfather and great grandfather coming back with the wagon load of wood, he went out to ask the question and his grand, uh, his father rebuked him because he hadn't cleared the spot for the wood. <laughs> <laughs> so he went and cleared the spot for the wood. And then he began to think, was this really real? And he began yeah. to doubt. And then he went and prayed and he was reassured that was his battle with Satan, right? That he saw yeah. the thing. And then he went and took his sister by the hand and healed her. Now, I grew up every July 10th hearing this story. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was like, you know, I believe that, that God and the, there were gifts of the Spirit. I believe yeah. that there were miracles could take place. And so I think that partly was what laid the foundation for a lot of what I eventually was able to accept. But so I was very, very devout, um, you know, Utah Mormon. Mm -hmm. uh, in a very devout Utah Mormon family. Yeah. But when I went on my mission, and this is the part I really wanted to share with your, your viewers, because this is really the thing that I think your audience is the best prepared to hear what, what I, <laughs> of any I've ever seen. Um, we were at a correlation meeting between the stake mission president and the full-time missionaries, and he was just going over some business when suddenly he just stopped and it's like he was thinking. And then he said, brethren, have you ever heard anyone say after they were baptized, happy birthday, how does it feel to be forgiven of your sins? 
uh, he says, maybe some of you even said it. And we all had heard that kind of talk. Mm -hmm. And so I always he said, brethren, you're teaching false doctrine. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and happy birthday because you've supposedly been born again. Right. right, right. And so okay. then, then he proceeded to unfold the scriptures and he started with the encounter between Christ and Nicodemus. And he said something about that, that I've never heard anybody else say before, but he, you know, it starts out, you have to be uh, born again to see the kingdom of God. Yeah. And you have to be born of water and the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. He said, Jesus wasn't repeating himself. Uh, yeah. He was talking about being born again to receive a testimony of Christ, to perceive the kingdom of God, to see it. Yeah. But you had to be born of water and the spirit to enter mm. the kingdom. He says, what is this birth of the spirit? Then he went to Enos in the Book of Mormon about Enos. He says, okay, like if Enos was, we're talking today, he was raised in the church. He was baptized when he was eight. He was confirmed. He's been an active member. His parents are active members, but he's going out to hunt in the wilderness. And he's thinking about these words of, of the joy of the saints and eternal life. And it sunk deep into his heart and his soul got hungry. Mm. And he prayed for, you know, hours and hours. And a voice came and said, Enos, your sins are forgiven you. Mm. And his guilt was swept away. And then he began to pray for his brethren because he, he wanted them to have the same yeah. experience. And then when the Lord responded to that, he began to pray for his enemies. <laughs> yeah. We've got to pray for the layman's. Then he turned to Alma and he says, Alma going out and Alma says, I ask you, my brethren of the church, have you spiritually been born of God? He says, if being baptized and confirmed made you born of God, what's the point of the question? Yeah. Amen. I never really right? thought about that before. What's yeah. the point of the question? These people had baptized already and it's like, have you in fact, he says, when you were, when, at least in our tradition, when you were confirmed, he says, you weren't given the Holy Ghost. You were commanded to receive the Holy Ghost. Yeah. That was your first instruction as a member of the church was yours to go out and receive mm -hmm. the Holy Ghost, to have you received the Holy Ghost. And then he went and he turned to the third Nephi where it says, you baptize them with water. I will baptize them with. Yes, exactly. The Spirit. In other words, yep. he says, it says, it's Jesus who administers the baptism of fire of the Holy Ghost. No, absolutely. Human beings don't do that. Then he turned to. Uh, Nephi. Nephi says that after you've been baptized fire and host, then you're on the straight and narrow path that leads to eternal life. That's the gate. Only then. That's the, yeah. That's the gate. Only then. Okay. Yeah. Until you've been born of the spirit, you're not on the straight and narrow path that leads to eternal life. And then he, he went to the Jacob, how I, he, he, the keeper of the gate is the Holy one of Israel. He employs no servant there. And he mm -hmm. won't open to the to the learned, the rich, the, wise, the those that are wise in their own eyes, only to those who come down in the depths of humility. Right? Yeah. If you if you think you know something, if you think you're so smart, if you think you mm -hmm. know, boom, the gate is closed because God won't open the gate until you come to Him in the depths of humility and you realize I need Him. And as long as you're thinking, look, I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. I go to church. I visit I the temple. The right I pay the tithing. I blah, blah, blah. I belong yeah. to the right organization. You're, the gate is closed. You that's can't. A, that's a major problem then for all those who are a member of LDS, RLDS, what have you. If any church that you believe that you're the one true church, and now you're a member of the one true church, which makes you effectively in where you need to be, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a major problem because that's pride. 
Yes, it is. And it's and only that, those who can come down the depth of humility and, and don't believe they already have what they need. Exactly. And and so he unfolds all these scriptures. You yeah. know, just just and it was and once he unfolded it, it was like it was to me just plain as the nose on your face. And this but, was your stake president. This was right? this was a stake mission president on stake my full time president. while I was while on my full full time missionary. And he was saying this in front of a bunch of missionaries. In front of LDS missionaries. By the way, yeah, I found okay. out from a friend of mine that, that, that he was removed from his position as stake mission president as soon as they found out what he'd said. Done. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Right. So he got, he got censured for this. But it was the first time in my life that I was taught the gospel of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. as it's plainly laid out in the New Testament and the Book of Mormon. Because it's very, wow. very plain. Okay, that that Jesus is the keeper of the gate. That That's he right. is the one who baptizes with fire and the Holy Spirit. John John said, "There comes one after me, and he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit." Yes, that's right. And then and he says, "So you're not until you have that, you're not even on the path. What? You're not even on the path." And then then he said, "I want to end this." He said two things that just went through to the core of my being. The first one he said, do you want to know how you know if you've been born of the Spirit? Yeah, yeah. Has Jesus told me I, he's forgiven me of my sins? Oh, wow. <laughs> how, he says, I don't mean you've heard an audible voice, but has, has through yeah. the Holy Spirit, has Jesus communicated, has he swept your guilt away the way he did with Enos and said, you're forgiven and you have no guilt? You feel yeah. innocent before God. Until that's happened, you're not on the path, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and then he said, and I challenge you to find any place in the scripture where God forgives sin in the singular. He, 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 it's all or nothing. Yeah. You either are on the path or you're off the path. You're either walking in grace with the Holy, Holy Spirit guiding you or you're not, yeah. right? Well, that really... I realized my whole life I had been putting the cart before the horse. I'd been trying to be worthy to get to God. Mm -hmm. And I realized I had to go to God and recognize I'm unworthy and ask yeah. him to come into my life to cleanse me, to forgive me of my sins, and to make me worthy through the reception of his spirit. Okay, <laughs> and that There was no way I was ever going to do this on my own. And, it, and for me, I spent three weeks like trying to figure this out. Mm -hmm. But what happened was something happened that made me feel humiliated, right? Okay. So I'm, I'm feeling like I am just so stupid, right? Mm -hmm. And we were in a little uh, casita, a back house behind a member's uh, house. And I went out in the evening and I knelt on the lawn and I said, God, I... <laughs> I, I just, I, I, I just don't know what to do. I said, I, I just have mercy on me and apply the atoning blood of Christ and wash me clean of my sins. Wash me clean of my sins. And I promise you that if you will give me your spirit, I will do whatever you tell me to do. Mm -hmm. I will give up my, uh, 
my family. I will give up my religion. I will give up my good name among men. I will give up everything I own. I will walk away here with nothing but the clothes on my back. But what I want is I have to know that I'm following you. Not that I'm following what somebody else mm. tells me you, are, you want me to do, Amen. what I think you want me to do. I need to know that I'm actually following you. And that's when I heard that voice like Enos did, said, Stephen, your sins are forgiven. Walk humbly, diligently, and prayerfully before you, me and you shall be blessed. And I suddenly was just awash in this feeling of peace, this feeling of love. It's like it just came and poured through me. And yeah. I, I had the baptism of fire and you the Holy Ghost. To, you were finally born again at what age? What age was this? 19. So you were 19. You probably got, I'm guessing, baptized at age eight. Right. Because that's kind of the tradition. Um so that's the very moment you got baptized in the water at age eight. But that is a moment you actually first made a covenant with God. Yes. That is when you made your covenant. And, and it's interesting because baptism is the witness of the covenant that we've made. And so we kind of have it backwards in the church is what's happening. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> and it, you know, it's like the house of Cornelius. You know, Peter is told to go to the house of Cornelius. There's a Gentiles. I think it's the house of Cornelius. I'm probably. Yes. I hope I, I, I got the right is. name. I think you yeah, got the right name. You know, and here they are, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I love the comment that he makes to his fellow uh, brethren, you know, it's like, well, I guess we can't withhold water baptism. <laughs> 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 and it's sort of like, you know, so, you know, the Lord just does things however he's going to do it. And because yeah, of does. what's going on, we're, a lot of us are going to have our everything backwards now because, hey, most of us got water baptized, but we may not have had that born again experience. And that's the thing that's been working in my mind. And I've been talking to people in our congregation is like, have you, did you ever make a covenant with the Lord or did you just get baptized? Because we need to make that covenant. I mean, yeah. that's part of the thing is, you if, know, is, is go, go down into the water, you know, witnessing before God that you're willing to follow mm -hmm. him. Okay. Acting no, no hypocrisy or deception before God, but with real intent. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's right. Then and and then he said, he, you know, he pointed out where he says, you wonder, well, what am I going to do after that? He says, well, didn't I tell you that the angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost? Mm -hmm. If if you have the Holy Ghost, you'll be told everything else that you need to do. Yeah. In other words, in other words, you what God commands for us in our life is going to be somewhat unique to us because he has a path for us. He has a mission for us. He has a calling for us. And, and there are several things that I, you know, um, that the scriptures are very plain about this. If you're born of the spirit, you'll start to receive spiritual gifts. You'll start to be, yeah. and, and my prayers became conversations instead of monologues. Mm -hmm. That was one of the first big things I noticed. I could pray yeah. and I would get, the the spirit would respond to me and then Absolutely. the spirit would ask me questions and i'd respond yeah. you know and it was a it was a dialogue rather than a monologue and when when god asks you questions he's not looking for information <laughs> he's, well, he's, trying to, he's trying to get you to think about something <laughs> well actually that's an interesting point because i i saw this uh, uh guy who has a channel on youtube and he says that the word that is translated as judgment in the New Testament actually is a Greek word that means to interrogate, to discover the truth. Okay. 
Yeah. And that makes a lot more sense to me. God's mm -hmm. purpose is sure. to bring out the truth, you know? Yeah. To, 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 to Absolutely. Not, not, to, not to condemn you, not to throw you out, not to kick you away, but to bring out the truth so that you'll let go of yes. all the lies and stupidity and come to him, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> what always got me when I was a kid, I couldn't quite understand how God, who knows all things, you know, Adam and Eve sinned, and then he comes along and he says, uh, where are you? Or, you know. <laughs> As if he you, didn't know. Yeah, right? <laughs> or, you know, he asked Cain, like, what did you do? Or where's your brother at? You know, like, God doesn't know where his brother is at. You know, it took a while because I was a small kid. You know, you're thinking, like, well, it's odd that God's asking questions that he should know the answers to. And that's exactly what he does. <laughs> well, I read this thing, and it's it's very much parallel to what I come to understand about our nature is he also says, who told you that you were naked? Yeah, in other words, that's right. In other words, who told you to to be guilty, yeah. to be ashamed, to blah blah? blah. Yeah. That's Lucifer, and, and that and that relates to the other experience that I want to share because uh, uh, some years later, you know, after I had been, you know, by by the way, I would say when you when you're walking the straight and narrow path and you're you're listening to spirit, whatever, a lot of times the spirit will say, okay now do this and you'll go i can't do that well and you and you resist what the spirit is saying and yep. what my experience is god says okay you want to do it your way go ahead <laughs> and then and then uh, after another couple of weeks or a couple of months you, you go what's going on i'm 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 not at peace anymore i'm 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 in turmoil i'm feeling stressed blah blah, blah. and you go oh <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I, yeah. I'm doing it my way. I'm not doing it his way. And you repent and you go back on the path. Yeah. I don't know. Is that your experience? <laughs> I wish I didn't have to learn that experience <laughs> over and over again. Uh, probably my earliest um, experience with that was shortly after I was born again. And um, I was a teacher. And uh, well, in the earliest culture, there's very few teachers. And the uh, last podcast interview with someone they asked me why do you think that is and I had to think about it and I think it's because it says um, they're to keep peace in the church and that's about all it really says hmm. there's not much written about teachers in the scriptures um, I mean there is but not you know like in the doctrine covenants or whatever it's like a line and when the church is at peace and everybody's doing, you know, and all is well in Zion and everyone follows the rules, you know, what, what do you really need a teacher for? It's strange that we don't really understand what teachers are. But in any case, here was my job. Here's the one line of description. They are to keep peace in the church and, and keep iniquity out or something, which I don't even know if that's right. Um, that was out of the DNC. But um, <clears throat> in any case, the Lord's trying to teach me what my role is. And uh, a uh, division broke out in our congregation. And this was after we had left the RLDS church. And the division was over something silly. It was regarding the word of wisdom. And people were fighting. There was people leaving the congregation. And there was a meltdown. My grandfather, who was the spiritual man that everyone looked to, had passed away. And then in his stead, the Lord brought me up and set me in the in the priesthood in that congregation and i just thought well that was a bad choice god because <laughs> i mean my grandfather everyone looked to him and he would have figured this out and i didn't know i didn't have a clue when i was a young man all i knew is i was failing but i i uh handled it in a bad way i i got angry at satan like really angry because i didn't know what to do 
and you know sometimes when you're scared or you're insecure or something anger is one of those things and and i just was sitting in my living room uh, in my apartment all by myself and i just i just started talking to satan which is usually a bad idea and i <laughs> and i said I said, Satan, you leave these people alone. If you wanna, if you wanna fight with somebody, you fight with me. I'll take you on. Take me on. I'll, you know, <laughs> leave those people alone. I'll, I'll take you on. You know, all this kind of stuff. Well, <laughs> so I haven't, I haven't told this story in the podcast before. I don't think. Um, anyway, so what happened was, a a being appeared in the far corner of the room on the other side of the room, and I couldn't see who it was but it was like a dark presence okay and i knew i knew immediately i mean he's either satan himself or his one, one of, of his minions, minions but it's, yeah it's kind of the same whichever um but it just was just like god and his angels are kind of the same right yeah yeah which would have been truly frightening but at the same time he appeared the presence of god became especially thick right around me and i could sense god's presence like very strong and in that moment, it was like he was giving me um, the, the ability to perceive the, the strength of this enemy. And it, I just remember the thought came to me that this thing could throw me through the wall if, if it was allowed to. Like, you can't take this on. It's way over your head. I knew that it could destroy me if I was going to fight it like this. Um, and then the Lord spoke and he says, if you want to fight him that way, you'll have to do it on your own. Whoa. And I immediately repented and said, no, Lord, I, I don't want to fight him. <laughs> I'll do it. Let's do Good it your choice, way, Lord. Huh? Good Let's choice, do it your huh? way. And that, that, that presence left. Uh, so, yeah, that was... Well... I was like, a, I usually used to, I, I, I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way, Stephen. Um, so have I. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So have I. So, so have I. I... I one thing I, I usually when I'm talking about any kind of spiritual principles, I always tell people, look, don't trust me. Don't listen to me. You know, maybe I'm not completely right. I'm just sharing with you what I understand. Pray about it. Search God. Seek God for yourself. You know, don't don't um, I'm, I'm not. You know, I'm not the one you need to listen yeah. to. Okay, yeah. all I'm doing is I'm trying to encourage you to go to that person and listen to them, and let them guide you. Because, uh, you know, when I when I w was having a lot of these experiences, I used to share them, and I was I was trying to say to people, look what God can do. For, you know, go to God, look mm -hmm. at what He can do for you. But I found the two most common reactions the one i expected which was you know like oh really you know yeah, yeah I, okay but the one that i wasn't expecting was when they go oh wow you know like like they wanted to suddenly make me yeah the go-between between them and god and put you me could, on this you can start your own religion you can and, start and, your own religion and right there. god told me this is a really dangerous yeah. thing if you allow the fact that mm -hmm. i've worked through you to puff you up in pride yeah you will wind up getting deceived all over the place and and now as i'm looking back and um when i was first out of the church you know there's this tendency to go back and and, and like question a lot of things like joseph smith everything mm -hmm. well and, and god said don't judge joseph 
No. <laughs> don't no. don't judge Joseph. No. And now I understand, you know, Joseph yeah. was an imperfect human being like me, mm-hmm. made a lot of mistakes and and he allowed himself to be put up as a go-between between people and God. And yeah. that is a bad idea. 100%. A very, very bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> because because people in fact Jesus told me once, he said, My servants never say follow us. My servants show people how to come to me and teach teach people yeah. to follow me. And and that's stuck with me very strongly. In fact, yeah. I, I, God led me into doing this. I call it emotional healing, but what it really is, is it's a, it was a process of, a lot of people have a lot of pain. They've been abused. They've had all these things. And it was like going with them into this dark place in their life, being compassionate, empathetic, and helping them be willing to go there. And then as they finally acknowledge all this crap inside of them, to guide them to go to the light, to guide them to go to God. And the light is the, is kind of the metaphor for, for, mm-hmm. for telling them to look look for God. And and I, you know, when the, the first experience I had with this, I've had a kind of a healing experience some friends uh, guided me through. And I was talking to this lady and she, uh, she said, you have to do this for me. And I said, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. She says, no, you don't understand. You have to do this for me. And I, and, and God said, yes, you do. And I don't even know, just the spirit led me. And she actually went back and relived being sexually abused by her father when she was five years old. Mm. And I remember when I, um, was working with her, I, the, the flood, I, I felt this flood of emotions of this five-year-old child come into me of, of all this conflict and everything. And I realized what adonement is. It's, it's that, that Christ made himself one with us in our suffering. Yeah. He, he, he became part of our fallen world and suffered with us. Yeah. And that, um, and that that's what compassion is. That's what empathy is. It's it's the willingness um, to go, to try to go into that dark place of that person and pull them out. Yeah. Well, as I've been doing this, um, it was when I had this other experience because I, I needed some more help for myself. And so I had, you know, one of my friends do this. And I, and I went into this, I, I was crying because here I am again with this mm-hmm. idea of worthiness, right? Because yeah. you grew up very, very steeped in this idea that you, you've you got to do it. You've got to live a good life. You've yeah. got to blah, 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 blah. And so I'm, you know, crying. I'll never be good enough to be loved. And my friends say, look for the light. And I looked to the light and I had this vision. I saw Jesus standing next to this beautiful tree, which I guess is retrospect was the tree of life. And he said, Stephen, why are you weeping? And I said, because I'll never be good enough to be loved. He said, whoever gave you a stupid idea like that? I mean, that was the, like, like stupid, like what a stupid idea. And I said, he said, don't you know that I love you? And I was immediately awash in the unconditional love of God. And that was the most intense experience of that, that I've ever had yeah. in my life. I like, I was, I read about people doing that in near-death experiences, and I understand it is overwhelmingly like unlike any human love that you can imagine, because all human love is conditional, and this love is just totally accepting. Like I, 
And then he said, and don't you know, I know everything about you. Yeah, yeah everything. <laughs> and, and I, what a horrible and I, thought. <laughs> and, I, and I saw all this big, long list of stuff I berated myself for, my sins, oh, my yeah. weaknesses, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like cringing. And then I hear him say, and don't you know that I still love you? Yeah. And then That's... he said, then he said, if it doesn't matter to me, why does it matter to you? Are you trying to be better than me or something? And I, I've, I found that Jesus will tease you. Yeah. This is an interesting no, thing. He's got a sense of humor. He's got a great sense of humor, mm -hmm. and he will use humor to educate yeah. you. And yeah. um, and it's such a loving thing. You know, he's just so gentle and kind and wants to help you. And, and, and it was not just that I knew that he loved me that way. I knew he loved everybody that way. Yeah. I knew he loved Adolf Hitler, Mao Zedong, uh, Genghis Khan, you know, think of some of the worst yeah. people that have been in the world, has done yeah. evil in the world. He loved them exactly like he loved me. Now, that's impossible to comprehend for most of us mm -hmm. as human beings, right? But I knew it. Then then he, he said, he looked me in the eye and he said, seriously, Stephen, the only reason why people commit sin, as it is called... And I pondered that, like, as it is called a lot, because it was, it was yeah. like, I don't agree with your concept of sin. Okay. He says, is because they're cut off from this love. They're lost. They're yeah. alone. They're hurt. They're afraid. And they're yes. acting out of their fear and their pain. And you yeah. can't cure darkness with darkness. And the right. tools, tools of darkness are shame, fear, guilt, and blame. Absolutely. It, it, and because all what all that does when you're shaming people, making them guilty, getting angry with them, blah, blah, blah. All you're doing is increasing their feeling of alienation yep. and loneliness and suffering and pain. And it's not a true conversion. It, you can cha you'll change yourself for a short period of time, but you right. cannot truly be born again that way. No, you, the, it's just the only way you get rid of darkness is by shining a light into it mm -hmm. yeah. and the and the the light that cures the darkness of this world darkness the darkness in men's souls is this love that you're immersed in right now yeah so so i want you to lead people to this light yeah so i can heal them well that's i think that's, that that's might be the most important thing that you've touched on in in many ways today because I'll just I'll go on a limb and say this. I think much of my audience that will can stand to listen to me is um, they're ready to hear anything you got to say about how the traditions of the LDS, or in my case, traditions of RLDS, are wrong and what's wrong about it and what should be right. And that's great. These are all intellectual exercises, but I don't think most people are really ready to accept and understand that God does love us unconditionally. Um, I don't think they really believe that. Even if they say it with their mouth, I don't think we believe it until we've had that experience like the one you've had, that really we judge ourselves, ultimately. We in do. In the end, we're judging we're, ourselves. And we're the ones who judge ourselves unworthy of God, and we cut ourselves off from his presence. Yeah. And this work I've done with what I call emotional healing, always it i mean i can't tell you how many times i've run into that like there was this young woman i worked with one time and she had been um she'd idolized her father um and he i guess you know committed adultery on his mom and and she was so upset she went out and had sex with her boyfriend mm -hmm. and she was felt horribly guilty 
for years. She went, you know, and, and repented and went through the whole church repentance process, blah, blah, went on a mission for the church. And then she got engaged with Mary and the guilt she had over this overtook her and she canceled the engagement. And she said, so sure she is still living with yeah. this guilt over a mistake she made at age 14 because she was traumatized by her father letting her down, right? Yeah. Okay. And so... I, I, I helped her get into that, that space and how she was feeling. And I said, okay, now look for the light. She says, I, she says, I can see it. I said, so, so go to the light. She says, I can't. Yeah. And I go, why? That, she that's says, how I clean myself up, right? She says, I'm, she says, I'm not worthy. I said, mm. you don't have to be worthy. Just go. And then she says, besides, he's a male. Referring to Jesus, right? Yeah. And I said... Oh, just go. <laughs> and she, she in her, in her, in this, you know, thing. She, she walked into the light, and Jesus was like, just uh, wash in this unconditional love. Like he, it was like, I, 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 I don't yeah. care. I'm not upset with you. Why are yeah. you beating yourself up? I'm, I'm here to help you. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not here. And I'm looking, going. And she says, I wish that bishops and stake presidents knew how to do this what you just did for yeah. me which is yeah, which is to lovingly instead of adding to the guilt and adding to the shame and blah 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 blah, yeah. leading people to the idea that christ is there to help you he understands yeah. that we make mistakes he understands we're foolish and immature and childish and we do all these stupid things and he loves us anyway and all he wants to do is help mm -hmm. us let's which hang we'll, out there for just a minute <laughs> yeah. um, because I think this is so important. I just want to make sure that people are understanding. Um, you know, it's not that Jesus condones sin or condones actions that separate us from him, but he still loves us. There's no point where, how can you clean yourself up so you can go see him again? You can't. What is it that can take away sin except for him? And yet that's the feeling. Either I, I have to clean myself up, and and before i can come to him or it's a i'm not worthy enough to come to him well when would you be worthy enough when when is it that we're going to be worthy enough if we if we were worthy we wouldn't even have to come to him in the first place right yeah. i mean that's why he's there because well, he's the only one that's worthy uh we're not worthy but that's not what it's about it's that he loves us okay let's go back to the original sin yeah they take of the forbidden fruit okay mm -hmm. And they look down and go, oh, we're naked. We're yeah. something's wrong with us. Yeah. We better cover up ourselves. Yeah. We better, and this is what we do. We put on this little yeah. persona of whitewashing ourselves, trying to make us mm -hmm. look good to other people, blah, blah. Yeah. And then when God comes looking for us, uh-oh, we're hide. in trouble. We got to hide. <laughs> okay. So, so here we have, we have shame, right? Yep. Now we're afraid. Then mm -hmm. God says, what did you do? Oh, now I'm guilty, right? I'm, I'm guilty. Yep. I blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. And what's the next thing you do? She made me do it. Blame. Shame, fear, guilt, blame. Understand? Mm -hmm. That's the origin of sin. Shame, okay. fear, guilt, and blame. We cut ourselves off from God. And what I metaphorically like to tell people is you come out of the bushes, you mm -hmm. take off your apron of fig leaves you, in, your, in your nakedness and vulnerability and yep. recognizing that you're a sinner and you say, God, I'm a sinner, I'm naked, I'm blah, blah, blah. And he says, I know, and I love you, and I'm here to help you. 
<laughs> that's that's the miracle. And yeah. you see, when you humble yourself, you can receive the gift because it's a gift. You don't earn it. You don't deserve yeah. it. There's nothing you can do to deserve or earn God's love or mm. his grace or his mercy or his forgiveness. It's a gift. But as yeah. long as you think you can earn it and you're trying to earn it, and you're doing all these things to earn it, you yeah. will never receive it. Because if you got anything from him, you would think you earned it. Is it the church? Is it the churches that teach that to us, or is it just human nature, and our institutional churches reinforced it? Because I think it's comprised I think it's, of humans. I think it's human nature, and I think that it's reinforced. Because how can you? The, here's where where I I need. I really want people to understand this. How can you comprehend unconditional love if you've never yeah. experienced it? Yeah. You can't. You can't. Words that. I did a video on my YouTube channel because I'm trying to write a, a book. And one of the first things I talk about is words are symbols of reality. I'm a writer. I'm a teacher. I've, I've studied communication my whole life. And one of my um, communication instructors at BYU said, meanings are not in words. Meanings are in people. Mm -hmm. Okay, words are just yeah. symbols that represent reality. Well, yeah. how can you represent a spiritual reality in words to know someone who's never had any spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. So, so this is why the, the things of the spirit are foolishness to people who've never experienced them Amen. because all the words and all the things we say and everything I'm trying to teach is all metaphor. Yeah. It's metaphor. It's, it, 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 it does not substitute for the actual experience yeah. of feeling experience. God say, I forgive you. I love mm -hmm. you. I'm here to help you. You you can't fake that. You can't pretend it. Yeah. You have to experience it and it changes you and it transforms you and it puts you on a different path in your life because how can you start learning to love others until you've experienced mm -hmm. that feeling I'm loved? Yeah. But Stephen, I think I think a lot of people in the churches have not had that experience. Well, they need to they need to know that they can and i think that's part of the the problem too is i i talk to people and they're like well i i don't think god would talk to me like that or i don't think he would use me or i don't think he would give me the gifts or you know it's like this worthiness thing or, or something again once well, more that's that's for other people or maybe because you're special doug or steven you're special exactly exactly so god and would treat you that way but he doesn't do that with me that is and that's the lie yes and it's, 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 if you go into right at the beginning of the Book of Mormon, you know, Nephi hears his father teaching. He says, I believe God could make it known unto me, and I pray. Yes. And then he goes out to his brother and said, that we, we don't understand what our father said. Have you acquired of God? Well, God doesn't yes. do any such thing for us. Yeah. <laughs> this right? is a matter of faith. Uh, you know, Steve, this, this, is, this is huge. This really is huge, I, and it's something I've been communicating at the local congregation with people because I, I sense it. I sense it, and what it is is I realized I had a great gift in my life, and that great gift was a series of events took place. One was my mother reading me these Bible stories when I was young, and there was a series of just little things like that where when I finally made my covenant with God, there was zero doubt that if I sat down and opened my scriptures and said, Lord, teach me that he was going to talk to me. I never even considered the possibility that he wouldn't because he says he will. And I just yeah. knew it, right? Well, I didn't realize that maybe not everybody has that same faith. 
God is no respecter of persons. But if we have doubt, you know, it says if, if the miracles are done away with, if we don't experience the gifts, it says in the Book of Mormon, it's because of unbelief. There's a form of unbelief that's taken place and, among the religious and, peoples. And it's really important. And woe to them because there is no salvation come unto them. In other words, if the gifts of spirit are done away and there's a lack of faith, there's no salvation. Yes. Nobody's saved. Nobody's getting saved. Because to be saved, this is where I have a problem with a lot of uh, <laughs> fundamentalist Christians. Their yeah. idea of salvation is that some we're accepting Jesus so we don't go to hell in the afterlife. Yeah. But I have worked with people. You, I have worked with people who have been physically, mentally, sexually, morally, satanically, ritualistically abused, undergone all kinds of trauma. Mm. They are in hell. I've been they in are, hell. They are planet. suffering. Yeah, we've, 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 we've all been through our personal yes. hells. Jesus isn't there just to save you for the afterlife. He's there yeah. to rescue from the perils of this life, to take your pain and your, your anguish and your suffering, mm -hmm. your deep you know, struggles, and to start turning you around and leading you in a new way and in a new light. That's it why is, he went to the cross and, yeah. you know, and to give us life and to give it abundantly. Yeah. We're, we're supposed to thrive in this world. We don't have to wait till we die to find out why well, I hope I'm saved. We we should walk in the newness of life and experience paradise even now in this uh, life. Yeah, well and 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 the thing that grieves my soul, okay, is that you know, I like any other human being, I've I've made mistakes. I've done I've done some stupid, really stupid things in my life. I've I've uh I've been through a lot of pain and suffering. I've been divorced four times. Okay, wow. yeah. that's not that's not fun. Uh, no. Okay, that's, that's not fun. Okay, I did it twice. <laughs> yeah, and and so I'm no role model of the traditional like. Okay, here's the perfect like role model of whatever. Yeah, but through all of those trials and difficulties, I've been able to turn to God, and He's helped me through it. Mm -hmm. So here I am, almost 69 years old, mm -hmm. and most people who have been through everything I've been through would be bitter, cynical. Yeah. But whatever. I'm not. I'm. I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty loving. I'm. I, I enjoy helping people. I enjoy. My, but why? Because of the Holy Spirit working in me and through me and comforting me. And I wish every human being I knew could have that. Yes. Could find that love and that peace and find God and not be cut off from that love. No. The the religious people would say that uh, we should not look to you, Stephen. And of course, they'd be right. They shouldn't look to you. No, they but, shouldn't. But here's the thing. People, what we don't understand, this, this is where religion deprives us of so much. And this is what your mission stake president was trying to, he was trying to free you guys and give you liberty and understanding. He wanted you to come to the truth. And, you know, God bless him for that. But, <clears throat> you know. Because you've gone through these experiences, because you're imperfect, because you've made these mistakes, religion would say, well, that's a reason not to listen to that person. But in truth, that is exactly what God uses. He uses people. He uses weaknesses. It, one of the most extraordinary things to me is I was battling my own weaknesses, and I felt terrible about myself because I'd had this born-again experience, but I was still... I, you know, I was a young man and I had all these temptations and things that were, they were constantly what was happening. I didn't understand was a Satan was throwing thoughts into my head 
and I didn't understand how to process them. So I just took every thought and owned it as it were my own. Yes. And I owned it. And that must mean I'm a filthy, horrible, terrible human being. And so that was a, that was a cause of consternation between me and the Lord, because he's trying to free me of that and just come to him. And I'm sort of like trying to fix myself, you know, and I read in the book of Mormon where he says, I give unto men weaknesses that they'll be humble. And I was just like, what, you know, God, you gave me weaknesses. And he says, yeah. And it's like, and if you will be humble, I will make weak things strong. You know, if you'll turn to me and be humble and it's just like, so weaknesses are part of life. We're supposed to have these struggles. We're supposed to go through them. And when we make our mistakes, I met some priesthood in the RLDS church that thought to make a mistake is the worst thing you could ever do on this planet. And your you should <laughs> your goal should be that you never ever ever make a mistake, and you should not be comfortable with the idea that you could make a mistake. And I just like you're making one right now, you know. It, it's like it's an impossible thing. You're not going to get through this life without some mistakes. What's important is, do you learn from them? Do you grow from them? Do you turn to God and, and receive his grace and grow in that understanding and overcome those things? Or are you just burying your head in the sand? Because, you know, it's sort of like, you, what could you do of any good if, if you aren't willing to make a mistake? Yeah, actually, that's, I'm, I want to share with you something about that. I took an experimental class in learning and teaching my last semester at Brigham Young University. And uh, one of the concepts of this uh, model of learning was that everyone is a learner and everyone is a teacher. So we were, uh, we were assigned to go and apprentice ourselves to a child uh, two years old or younger and spend an hour with wow. them and see what they had to teach us. Interesting. So my daughter was 10 months old and was trying to learn to walk. And so I just sat with her and all she wanted to do was help me get her, get her up and like walk. Mm -hmm. And I watched her get up and fall and 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 get up and fall. And she just kept getting up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I realized that everybody in learning to walk and learning to talk and learning to do anything, they make hundreds if yeah. not thousands of mistakes yes. in the process of learning and that mistakes are actually part of the learning process. Yeah. And that, that the, the thing that's the problem and, and we don't say to our children, Oh, you stupid idiot. Why did you fall down? You know, like, like, you know, why can't you walk? What's wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. Why, why did you say da da instead of daddy, you know, blah, blah, blah. and berate them. No, we say, come on, come on, come on. You can do it. You can do it. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come. Yeah. Oh, oh, da da. How cute. How, and we, we are encouraging. And then at a certain point we go like, Oh, now, now they're not allowed to make mistakes anymore. Now, the yes. first time they do something, they, they better do it right, or we're going to mm -hmm. like, jump all over them. Yeah. And, 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 but, I, but I, a lot of the things that I have learned about God, he's used my being a parent to teach me about him. Mm -hmm. And I realize God is the one who's, who, he's not the one berating us when we're falling down or making mistakes or whatever. He's saying, get up, you can do it, come on. Come on, come, yeah. come on to me. I, yeah. I, I believe in you. I, I, that's, that's the God I've come to know. Mm -hmm. Not this yep. judgmental punishing, like I'm going to thrust you down to hell because you screwed up being. Yeah. That's not what Jesus is. Yeah. Um, 
Jesus is the one who comes down and says, hey, I'm here with you. And and he doesn't run around berating everybody and arguing with everybody and, no. and blah, blah, blah. He knows everything, but he isn't picking fights all over the place to correct no. everybody's every little mistake. He's He's setting an example and he's saying, come follow me, come to me. Let me teach you, let me guide you, let me help you, mm-hmm. and so forth. And and I, I had a, a very interesting story about that where one of my stepsons, we were at the grocery store and he wanted to eat a jalapeno pepper. He said, I, I, I said, I, I, I like, I, I mean, not jalapeno, a habanero pepper. I said, I eat okay. jalapenos, but I can't eat a habanero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said, there's no way you can eat a habanero pepper. It's too hot. He says, no, I can, I can do it. I'll try it. I said, no, you can't. I said, it's too hot even for me. No, I can do it. I can do it. I want it. I want it. Get, get it for me. And I finally said, okay, I'll buy the habanero, but you have to promise me that you just, just barely nip it to see how hot it is. Okay. And not just like try to bite off a big piece. He says, oh, okay. And I bought it for him. So we're driving in the car and all of a sudden I hear us yelp in the back seat. <laughs> And he shoved the thing in his mouth and started chewing on it. Yeah. Of course, now his whole mouth is lit on fire. And I pull over and we were on a vacation. We had some sour cream in the ice chest. So I'm sitting here. I said, don't drink water. I said, take the sour cream, smeared it all over his lips, whatever. And when it finally yeah. cooled down, we went and got ice cream. Okay. Now, <laughs> Joe Smith, go, Martin Harris says, can I take the 116 pages? Joe goes to God. No. Okay. Can I take the 116 pages? Please ask him again. No. Can I take the 116 pages? Yes, if you do this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Knowing full well that yep. you're going to screw up. I know. I know this in advance. Mm-hmm. You're going to screw up. I'm. Going to, but I've I've, yep. I've planned to weigh around of your mm-hmm. human weakness, right? Um, yep. So I realize God does this with us all the time. We yep. we we we're we're stubbornly not wanting to listen to his mm-hmm. counsel. He's okay, yep. but then when we do scrubbed it, I didn't go. Oh, see, you stupid idiot! Blah 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 blah. I yeah. just okay. I think I hope you figured out this lesson. Well, <laughs> no, Joseph and I'm going to help himself you. up. He beat himself up really something fierce, and yeah. there was a darkness that came in his life at that point. And some people have looked at that. In fact, he lost one of their children. Uh, yes, I think, and I think some people may look at that with religious eyes, and I think Satan would teach this is that was God punishing Joseph, but it wasn't. I do think a darkness entered his life, but I think Joseph was punishing himself. Yes, um, and he was horribly upset, and was in his spirit got darkened for a little while, and he went on a dark journey um, where he sort of had to punish himself and feel enough shame and guilt about it. That he could finally come out and eventually accept God's hand again and and move forward, and I think it would be great if we could learn to not do so much of that and not spend so much time, yeah, exactly, running from God and hiding from Him because I've taken the forbidden fruit and here I am hiding, you know. Well, um, I understand from one of the videos I just watched that you've read Daniel Brinkley's Saved by the Light, right? Yes, I went and heard him speak in Salt Lake. And okay. as he's talking, like several very pious LDS people walked out on him because he used a couple of cuss words. But, yeah. but I, I thought his message was fascinating. And one of the things he said, which I've never forgotten, he said, God isn't going to judge you. You're going to judge yourself. Oh, 
Yeah, I, I've come I, to understand that. I didn't know he said that, but yeah. No, he said that. And he said, you want to know the standard by which you'll judge yourself? I was the difference God could have made in the life of every person I interacted with. Yeah. And that, that has really stuck with me. I mean, that's like, no, because, because I would, I, and so what I have learned is if you want to keep the spirit, there are several things you got to do. One of them is you can't hate anybody. Yeah. If you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive everybody. Absolutely. You have to walk in meekness. You can't, lift yourself up in pride. If you want to be greatest, you have to be humble. You have to yeah. realize you're here to serve everyone that you, you meet, to try, try to be a, a, a light and an example and to be kind and to be patient. Because as soon as you start getting puffed up in pride, or, or like you said, as soon as I let myself get angry, I can feel the spirit go, oh, you want to be angry? All right, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. You want to do it that yep. way? Okay, mm -hmm. well, no, the, it's not God's way to do that. And so, so it's, it's a, it's, we have to be ready to make those, um, to listen to that spirit. And, and it's a spirit of peace and it's a spirit of love. And when you're walking in that spirit, you don't feel guilty. You don't feel all this shame. You feel the sense of love. You have this sense of faith um, that, that whatever happens, God can help you overcome it. God can help you yeah. through whatever life brings you. That's the beauty of it. That's, that's, that's what people need. And mm -hmm. so if the tools of darkness are shame, fear, guilt, and blame, the tools of light are faith, hope, charity, yeah. the pure love of Christ and forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, and if, and if we want to walk in the light, then we teach people to have faith. We, yeah. we help them have hope. We have hope that mm -hmm. there that there is a loving God that He does oh, yes. care for them that that if they go to Him, He'll help them. We, um, ch charity, charity is is the love that gives with no thought of what's in it for you in return. And one author that I read, Anthony DeMello, in his book, he said, um, "the the tree gives its shade to the person who's going to cut it down." The rose gives its beautiful fragrance to everyone, whether they're a good person or a bad person. The yeah. lamp gives its light to you, whether you're a good person or a bad person, because it's the nature of the lamp to give light. It's the nature of the rose to, to give an odor. It's the nature of a tree to give shade. It's the nature of God to love. Yeah. Nothing we do will change his nature because his nature is love. It's and, not just that he loves us. It, John says, God is love. Yeah. And uh, when you're raised in the churches, I think what we want to do is we're tempted to put a, a comma there and then say, but, and, you know, and then there's these stipulations on what it is to be loved by him. But um, that's not really the truth. Are no, there stipulations not. on coming into a relationship? Yeah, there's, we have to surrender to him. We have to seek his will. We need his spirit. We do these things, but there's never a time where he does not love us even before we come to him. And even when we do come to him and then we sin, he, he never stops loving us. Um, that to me is powerful to understand. It's not just that he loves, it's actually his nature. He can't be, he can't be anything else. Yeah. 
well, however he would cease we, to be God. <laughs> however we behave, it doesn't yeah. change the fact that he loves. In yeah. fact, he doesn't change the fact that everything that we see and everything that we are mm -hmm. is upheld every second of every day by his love. He is the yeah. one who's holding everything together. We right. live because of his love. We, right. we have the sunsets because of his love. We have the flowers because of his love. We have the trees, the clouds, yeah. the rain, the every, everything is his love, which as Jesus said, he is giving to everyone whether they deserve it or not. What, what I would ask you about is maybe a matter of speculation, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is for myself. And I, I'm guessing you've maybe had some experiences with this. But part of the perception, I think, of God that we have a tough time accepting his true nature, I think comes out of the Old Testament. Yes. Um, and I don't know how much we want to get into that. We have to be careful, probably. But there... I, I don't know about you, but one way that I, I feel like the Holy Spirit helped me to understand it, and maybe I used my own words and basically he lighted upon those words, but I came to an understanding that man has, and I don't want to, I'm going to use the word evolve, but you know, I know people get upset about the word evolution, I'm not talking about monkeys to men, but I'm talking about the evolution of man, their uh, understanding yeah, of God, hum who he is. Yeah. Yeah. That... Uh, I began to realize that 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 mankind was very childlike and had to mature and evolve in their understanding over time, and I came to the realization. And I know this would be this would be uh, uh, heresy if you're uh, you know if you're uh, uh, a Baptist or uh, you know someone in a Pentecostal or whatever, but just the idea that. The Bible is the imperfect, infallible, perfect word of God, etc. But I came to understand that uh, there is some imperfect language. You said language is a symbol of of ideas and stuff. And even the Book of Mormon itself says, now, if there are errors, they are the errors of men. And so I thought it was interesting that even when I picked up the Book of Mormon, which I believe is probably the, the most perfect scriptures we have on earth, yeah, there is the possibility of an error. There's a possibility. These were men writing. Could they have ever been in error at any time? Yes, absolutely. They could have been. Um, and yet God can still work around those errors. And I just I realized that when we I deal with a lot of people in the churches that they have a very strong impression who God is from the Old Testament and they don't really accept what the New Testament says about him. Uh, they don't really accept who he is when it comes to Jesus. So they make Jesus sort of a separate entity that, but God is the wrathful one, you know, and I've come to understand what wrath really is. It's, it's maybe not the best word, but what they called smiting God smote somebody is, I began to realize has a lot to do with just the consequences, the natural consequences set up in the universe that we experience as a result of doing things that take us away from the life-giving entity of God and turn towards the darkness. Um, I don't know. What, what are well, your experience I, you know, on that? Honestly, for a long time, I had difficulty getting back into scripture because yeah. my experiences with loving God made it difficult to read stuff, like especially Old Testament mm -hmm. stuff, where yeah. it just sounds like there's this judgmental, punishing mm -hmm. deity. One of the things that helped me was when I did start to to go back to that um and and it was it was really the book of mormon that
pulled me back into scripture. I mean, because just yeah. realizing the Book of Mormon was true. Um, I, I started praying God about it. And, and he said, for the first thing he said is, do you think I'm responsible for anything going on in this planet? <laughs> I said, he said, I Good gave, I, I gave human beings dominion over this planet. That's right. And, uh, you're the ones who are creating all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and no, it's true. That is yeah. 100% true. And, and you're, you're creating all the pain and suffering and problems yeah. and everything because of, 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 uh, your thing because you're under the influence of Satan. And so you're creating the things that Satan wants to create, yes. not the things that I want to create. Yeah. And, and then I was reading in the, in the, uh, book of revelation where it said, um, uh, that, you know, because the dead are resurrected and brought before God and, and to, to be judged according to their works. And, uh, uh, which, uh, and if they are found to be evil, they are hewn down and cast into the fire from which they can no more return. I said, see, there it is. Okay. You're going to hew yeah. people down and cast them in the fire. He said, read it again. They're judged according to their works. And if they be evil, their works are evil, yeah. their works are hewn down and cast into the fire from whence they can no more yes. return. Not the people, the things that they did are hewn down and cast into the fire. All That's the un, all the evil things that human beings have done, God is going to purify, obliterate. Purifying of, purifying of silver yeah, uh, and all that. Um, this is I, this is going to be controversial. I probably should have oh, said Oh, yeah, it topic. is controversial. Um, yeah. And, you know, well, and the it, thing is, it, you know, people begin to realize it, with all these um, NDE experiences and so forth and things that I've read. And as I read the scriptures and there are scriptures that you, you begin to think like, you know, this is going to be the end. Like uh, God is a harsh person. And then I start inquiring of that because it's not my experience with him that he is. In fact, my experience is quite the opposite. That, Mine too. Uh, that um, sometimes the worst sin and the, the worst I've maybe strayed from him, the more of his grace I've seen. Um, and that he never at any point has stopped loving me. And, and here's the thing. I was going to say this earlier is that there's two types of leadership I've seen when it comes to in a business or a corporation. One is the worst kind. The worst kind is a manager who's got a whip and he's out there checking to see whatever mistakes you're making. It's the worst kind of parenting too. Yeah. And he's just writing you all the time. And and you know what you get out of those people? You get a bare minimum. You They they don't want to work there. They hate it. Um, and you will get less work out of them. The more whippings they get, they'll put in the bare minimum. You'll never find them working when you're not looking. Or doing the right thing when they when they should be and you don't notice and when you're not there they're not going to put any extra time into anything or whatever they're just going to do whatever the bare minimum is to get that paycheck and then i've had managers who treated me like an adult and treated me like an equal and they're just like hey i know that you guys know what you're doing i know you're professional you know it's like i know you know you may make mistakes or whatever but i trust your judgment uh to to do what is best here um, let me know how I can equip you and help you so that you can reach the goals. I want, I want, I want to empower you. That's the sense that they give and they go around acting like they care about you and, and they do, and they're invested in you and they, they inspire. And what's interesting is to see that that person can go on vacation for a week or two 
and that team will run itself and they will begin to inspire each other. It's like, hey, man, let's knock these things out and get this done. When he gets back, he won't expect this to be done. Let's get this done early. And when he comes back, he'll be surprised. This is the sort of thing you think you see happening. You know, God is smarter than all of us. And he yes. knows what kind of leadership actually works. <laughs> yes. Well, one of the other things that really helped me, and I, I still am trying to process all this. There's a, a YouTube channel by a guy named Bobby Collier called Good God. And one of the things he points out is that um, Satan is acknowledged even by Christ to be the God of this world. Yeah. And uh, the, <laughs> yeah. the God of this world is judgmental and punishing and yes. you worship me or I will make you pay or whatever. And he says yeah. that a lot of people in the Old Testament had a hard time discerning between. They didn't the, know the difference between the Lucifer and the Lord. Yeah. And so they some of Lucifer's teachings who who is a judgmental punishing i'm yeah. ruling worship me yeah. give praise and glory and honor to me i'm going to make my name great to yeah. the whole nations and show everybody how powerful i am mm -hmm. so that they'll all fear me and bow down and grovel before me okay they couldn't discern always between the true voice of yes. of the holy spirit and father yeah. and, and and between Satan. And so Jesus directly contradicts the God of the Old Testament. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Yep. But I say, yep. love your enemies. So and who is he? Who is he, by the way? Christ is the word of God. Exactly. So here we have the written word of God and he's contradicting the written word of God. And he says, well, you've heard it said. He doesn't say this is the commandment. He's yeah. putting a question mark on there. Right. He's saying, I don't, in other words, he's, he's really saying this didn't come from me. No. And, and like Bob Colley says, if you, if you look at the, the life of Christ, mm -hmm. he never reviled against those who persecuted him, spit yeah. at him, whatever. He showed them love. He was gracious. He, he, and when the apostle said, should we call down fire like Elijah on these people. He rebuked them, yep. said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Yeah, exactly. You don't know what spirit you're of, because if you're of that spirit that wants to judge and punish and, and mm -hmm. criticize, you're not of the spirit of, of Jesus, of the true God. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. I, I read this article many years ago by someone who had been a, a minister who had worked with Martin Luther King. And he made an interesting statement. He said, in the beginning, God said, let us make man after our image. He said, God put a proposal on the table. Yeah. Let's make man in the, into the image of God. Um, and he says, if you want to have a relationship with God, you second the motion. You say, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to help with that. I'd like to, I'd like to help people become yep. more Christ-like, more God-like, more. And I will tell you that the gifts of the Spirit primarily have come to me when I've been trying to help other people. Yeah. Not not because of me, but because I was like seeking like how do I help this person? What do I do? blah blah. And then that's when God comes in because the gifts are not for your benefit. They're to allow you to serve others. And so the more you take that same attitude of you know, just humbly trying to serve people, help people, love people, do whatever, the more the power of God can flow through you because you're seconding the motion. You're saying, 
yeah, I want to help bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. I'll work yeah. with you on that project. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah, you're, if you're, if you're, if you're sitting in a spirit of I want to condemn you to hell and you're going to suffer for eternity yeah. and blah 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 because you're a sinner, you're not of the spirit of Christ. Yes. So this is a. Okay. I'm, I just okay. Know that I, and this, I, this, I know this, I, we're probably going to get. We're going to get hammered on this. We're going to get hammered on this. And they're going to make, and there's going to be assumptions made that are going to be incorrect. Um, so, that, you know, I understand people are no, going to be no, afraid of what we're saying. But We do. Look, in this life, okay, here's, yeah. here's something else. God said, do you really, told me one day, do you really think you could disobey me? I created the universe. I set everything up. Do so yeah. you really think that you could disobey me? He says, can you disobey gravity? Can you disobey well, any any anything I've? He says, "I tell you the law of the universe: as yeah. you sow, so shall you reap, and you can't disobey it." That's right. Everything you put out, you're going to experience, and you can't get around it. So, no. if you want to learn to put out good things, so you experience good things, come to me, and I'll show you how That's to right. do that, so you can have an abundant yeah. life. Otherwise, you're doing your own will. You're going to create a mess. Hell and is, you're going to experience mess. <laughs> hell is experiencing the pain that you put other people through. It, really it is. is. It is. But here, here's the thing, and I, I, this is my fault. So I'm going to take responsibility. So there is, there I, is I sin. This topic. There is sin. Okay, yes, there, there is. One hundred percent. We and we, it separates us from God in in that because we feel, and this is the thing. It's not because God separates Himself from us. Yeah. This is I didn't know this, but He showed it to me. He doesn't separate. He never leaves us or forsakes us. When I sin, it's not that he separates himself from us. We separate ourselves from him. Yes, we, exactly. It's that shame, that fear, that guilt. It's that same thing, the instinct that Adam and Eve had was to hide from him when yeah. he came. We do that and we think, oh, God doesn't love me now. I literally went through a whole year of that where I thought God had abandoned me. And at the end of that hellish experience, the Lord spoke to me and he says, I never left you. I never forsook you. I was there through this whole experience. I love you. You're my child. And it's like, what? I just was astonished because I thought he had, you know, it's that uh, turning someone over to the buffeting of Satan idea. Yeah, exactly. That's if you separate through. yourself from God, then then Satan comes in and he yeah, it's torments horrible. you. It's, it's horrible. Horrendous. It is a hell. Uh, 100%. But it, since I did start this and got us into this mess, let me uh, say this, and I, I just so people out there can recognize, we have a real basic fundamental scripture we like to use in uh, in the Latter-day Saint culture. At least I'm pretty sure LDS, this is a big thing as well, but it was in our LDS. And that is that one of the things we know about the nature of God is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever that he's unchangeable. Isn't that a pretty big concept that you guys yes. have always believed in, right? Right. Same thing in RLDS. And that is the truth. And it's written in multiple places. So the question that I had for many years ago with the Lord, which he's had to walk me slowly through, and I still don't understand. I, I don't have all answers. Is that when I look at the God of the Old Testament, there are places in the Old Testament where that's a different God and he changed. Yeah, he is. And when I asked the Lord about it, the concept that was floated towards me is that people thought that it was me, but it was Lucifer doing it. And I began to recognize that they did not always understand that when they had, when they suffered the consequences of their choices, it was always God. 
And so the idea that God smote somebody or God whatever, we always put it upon him. But if he is life and not death, there's no death in him, uh, then what is really taking place there? And I began to realize there is a intricacy to that. Um, yes. It's, it's, it's not this black and white thing that we thought it was and that we don't truly understand his nature and we don't really know what's going on. But one day our eyes will be open to that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's what I've come to understand is that uh, that the evil comes from Lucifer, the god of this world, and that when we separate ourselves from yeah. our, our father, uh, or the true God, um, who, who Christ is the manifestation of that God in yes. a form that we can understand as human beings. Mm -hmm. And if we look at him, that is the true nature of God. Everything that Jesus did was the true nature of God. Mm. And the other is coming from this being that wants to lord over and control and use this authoritarian model of the whip and the, oh, and I'll, I'll reward you if you grovel to me. In, in fact, if you look at the Lucifer and his dominions, I think they've created a lot of the religions of this world. Yeah, um, I think and, so. And and they're, they're, all those religions are always teaching, yeah. okay, you've got to grovel before God, you've got to sacrifice, you've got to do all these things to appease mm -hmm. the gods, right? Yes. To appease the gods. But the message of Christ is God himself comes down and sacrifices himself for us. That's right. That's, that's a whole different ballgame, a whole different message. Right. I want to share an experience I had with helping another person with emotional healing. This person been grappling with the idea that she had been adopted when they kept telling her she wasn't, but she'd, she'd come into the light and she'd realized she was adopted. And she was in the light with her, her uh, father who had raised her and realized he was her father anyway, because he raised her. But mm -hmm. anyway, she's in this light and feeling the satisfaction because not everybody will come into the light to encounter Christ or whatever. It's just, you know, God will help a person however they're willing to help, let him help them. But her mom is standing outside of the light in the dark. And she says, I, 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 I want to be with my mom, but I don't want to leave this light. And I said, well, you can't leave the light to be with your mom. So you got to encourage her to come. And she says, but she won't come because she's not ready. And, and I, um, and it hurts is what she said. And it hurts. And I swear, I actually had an experience where it felt like this beam of light came down through my head, pried open my mouth and spoke these words to her. It was no, not my words. It was just like mm -hmm. what you're experiencing is the pain of God, of he who dwells in the light without stretched arms saying, come to me, my children, come, let me heal you. Yeah. Let me love you. And we stand outside in the dark and say, I can't, I'm afraid. I, and I, I, at that point, I understood that God is never turning us away. We're the ones who are who are unwilling to to walk into the light. And why do it? Why are we unwilling to walk into the light? Because walking into the light means that we have to see ourselves for how we really are, and we don't want to do that. We want to see ourselves through the eyes of our pride, our ego, that we're we're good. We're we're good people. Look at all those bad people out there in the world. We're good people. Those are all bad people, blah, blah, blah. But to come down in the depths of humility, what God will teach you is you're no better or worse than anyone else, except by his grace, 
It's only yeah. his grace that helps you be better than anyone else. Amen. There's, there, there, he, is the, he is the source of all that is good. He is the source of all that is loving, all that is kind. And yeah. it's the degree to which we yield ourselves to him that, that, that we're, we're blessed with that. But it's his mm -hmm. grace. It's not us. It's not yeah. our human little thing that we're so much better than everybody else. Yeah. It's that we've allowed his grace to work through us more efficiently. And the more we do that, the, the more humble we become we because we realize that in and of ourselves we can't do anything we have to be grafted into the true vine we have to let the the light of his love be flowing yeah. through us and into us or we're nothing we can't bear fruit we can't bear fruit of ourselves apart from him we're just a lifeless Amen. branch dead can't do anything only when he works through us which yeah. is a gift he gives us a gift to be able to give a gift to others. And it's all about a gift. It's all about grace and love and kindness. And that's yes. where I think the Book of Mormon is very clear about that. Yeah. But somewhere we've gone astray from the simple principles that the Book of Mormon laid down mm -hmm. and, and allowed a whole bunch of other concepts to come in. And yeah. it says very clearly in the Book of Mormon, Anything that's more or less than the simple doctrine of Christ yeah. comes of evil. So right. how much of what we are following and what we believe has come from who? From Satan and his angels. Yeah. Okay. Not from our father and through, through, or I, like you say, they're, it's all the same God. Yeah. <laughs> Just, one God, different manifestations, different of manifestations yep. of the, of the yep. one God. And, and we, you know, I, that's, you know, the hardest thing I have to tell people is, you know, I don't believe the Mormon church is true, not just because Jesus said, you know, um, well, 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 what he told me in the dream, when I had the dream that I... Tell, tell, that, tell that whole dream. It's, yeah. an, it's an interesting dream. Well, I, about nine months prior to that, I had a, a vision of God where I just went into this incredible light that just was all consuming, just yeah. like that permeated the entire universe. And I, and I like, I'm experiencing the, the father, <laughs> you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the thing of God. And what I understood was, is that all of the religious rituals and symbols and scriptures and everything, were all trying to point, go, go, go to this being. And people started worshiping the religion, the symbols, the, the teachings, the teachers, the rituals, etc. And yeah. they didn't pay attention to the fact that they were all trying to point to, you need to come to this being. That's what yeah. God revealed to me. And then yeah. after that, God kept saying, you don't need this stuff anymore. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so I was questioning things in the church for like all mm -hmm. these, this time. And then I had the dream where Jesus appeared to me and he, he was in a bishop's office sitting across the table like you do for a temple recommended view. Mm -hmm. But he only asked me one question, what's my gospel? And I basically started reciting to him everything that stake mission president taught me years before. And he stopped me and he says, you're right. He says, so why do you still go to the Mormon church? And I go, because I thought it was your church. And he said, how be it my church, save it be called in my name. And if it be called in my name, it is my church. If it so yeah. be, it is built upon my 
gospel. Now, yep. when is the last time you heard what you've been explaining to me taught in the Mormon church? I said, well, I've taught it a few times. And, and I was trying to think of another time when yep. someone had taught it. And he said, my point exactly. So I have a new assignment for you. I want you to leave the Mormon church and I want you to stand as an independent witness that the yeah. principles of my gospel function independently of all earthly institutions and priesthoods, that I am the keeper of the gate. I employ no servant there and Amen. I have the power to save anyone who calls on my name. And that's, and that's the message I have for every one of you. You don't need a go-between. There is no, no. go-between. He no. is the keeper of the gate. If you go to him in humility and you seek right. and, and, and just cast aside any idea that you're worthy of it. Just, yeah. just understand you're not worthy of it. You'll never be worthy of it. That you need him. You need his spirit to teach you. You need his spirit to guide you. You need his forgiveness to wash you clean inside so you're not <clears throat> filled with guilt and all these, mm -hmm. these negative emotions. And... And when Don't you need go a to, temple, do you need a temple? No, we're the temple. What about the ordinances? The ordinances are all, that's what God said. They're all teaching devices. They're all okay. teaching devices. Yeah. They're, they're pointless unless they lead you to me. Because people associate <laughs> the ordinances with a church institution. Right. And so if we're not a church institution. What do we do about these ordinances? What do we, how do we get baptized? You know, I always point people to say, well, Alma went and baptized himself. So if <laughs> worse comes to worse, and it was acceptable before the Lord, uh, worse comes to worse, you know, but we're so worried about that because it comes back to, it all comes back to that word authority. Right. And that's why it's important for us to know. And I know we've talked about that. And others are getting finally begin to realize all authority comes from god it doesn't come from man right if i i can prove to if i can prove to you that i was ordained by someone who was ordained by someone who was eventually go back to joseph smith jr that means that you know how much that means nothing really means nothing i mean it's no. a neat it's a neat history but it has no bearing on whether i carry authority or not no because the authority only comes through the holy spirit and here's right. here's one of the things I've learned in working with people. I don't know what the answers are for them. I, I, I'm not I'm not the, the 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 wise, wonderful person who can solve all their problems for them. That's but if I can get them to go to Christ, he'll yeah. solve their problems for them. Yeah. He'll teach them what to do. He'll help them. He'll bless them. He knows what to do. Yes, he will. <clears throat> In fact, I'll tell you one one more story. I was working with a woman, and she was uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, she was in she in her mind. She went into this dark place. She was looking for the light, racing around looking for the light. She couldn't find it. And I said, "Okay, look, stop. I, I what is this darkness about? Just sit, stop, stop running around. What is this darkness you're in?" Suddenly she goes, who am I? Hmm. I don't know who I am. I run around trying to run away from the fact that I don't even know who I am. Wow. So I'm busy, 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 but I really don't know who I am or why I'm here. Mm. Whatever. Who am I? Who am I? 15 minutes she wrestled with this. And we were in a situation where we were in <clears throat> a group had been in someone's home and I had to wrap this up so we couldn't stay yeah. to help her go through that. But but I kept, I kept wanting to say something to her, but God said, don't, 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 you don't, don't you say this. She, she's got to, she's got to find it. She's got to yeah. find it. It's not going to mean anything if you say the words, the yeah. words aren't going to mean anything to her. 
She's got to get it from me. So the next day, we happened to be dropped off at the airport at the same time. And the spirit prompted me and I turned to her and I said, just remember this, be still and know that I am God. Because she was a Christian, you know, it, yeah. it's not, not, she didn't know scripture or that sort of thing. Yeah. So I got a letter about a week later. She said, I got on the plane, I got in my seat and I remembered what you said. So I stopped all the thinking and everything. I just quieted my mind and I saw the light and Jesus appeared to me. Wow. And I said, who am I? And he said, you're a child of God. Now, that's exactly what I wanted to tell her. Yeah. But but to come, <clears throat> coming to me didn't mean anything. We have to get the revelation. We have to get the revelation. Yeah. And then she wrote to me, and she says, I know what you're trying to do. You're leading people to Jesus and you're not telling them that you're doing it. <laughs> 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 I remember thinking, I remember thinking you nailed it because I found that preaching isn't always the best way. And I like yeah. what we're doing right now is not the best way to lead people to Christ. Yeah. It's through his spirit. Yeah. Through the workings of his love, which often is just small incremental little things that we do that we're that are that he's using us to plant a seed in someone's heart right. that may not bear fruit for years. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's his work that he does through us. That's right. It's not our work. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of getting back to these, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just for a moment. Um, you know, this is the work of the institutional churches. Um, and I, I'm kind of curious because I don't know exactly how it goes down in LDS culture, but in our LDS culture, basically, you get baptized. Um, you get baptized, and on some level, we understand it's something about washing away sins, or at least that's what we thought, right? Uh, that's what we were told. Kind of like you, you get baptized, and it's a, it's, it's making a covenant with God. So we thought mistakenly that the baptism itself was the covenant, um, and then you get confirmed a member of the church. That's what they did in the RLDS church. They laid hands on you, confirmed you a member of the church. Uh, a lot of times, never even anything mentioned about the Holy Ghost. And then you could then you could take communion, and that was the big thing. So eight years old, you're like, oh, I can take communion now. Can't take communion until you go through those classes and do this. Um, that really robs us of understanding and robs us of uh, life with really with that relationship with Christ. I don't know what they, how it was done on, on your side, but there's a whole lot missing from that, that we're not being told that the scriptures tell us. Well, I think the big problem is, is that the institution becomes the substitute for Jesus. Yeah. And I, and I saw like when I went to the Orthodox church, it was the same thing. Like we're, we're, we're in the true church. We're the true followers of Christ. We're the mm -hmm. Christ organized the church. We're part of his church. He's in the church, blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing I grew up in the Mormon. And I, and I haven't just seen it with Mormons. I've seen it with a lot of other people, yeah. but, and, and I've often wondered, I remember when I was a stake missionary and I, I wound up with a group of evangelicals and they were arguing with me about doctrines and everything. And I go, look, I, I don't know for sure about all this stuff. I said, but I told them about my conversion experience and about the love I had for Jesus and how Jesus yeah. was my heart. 
the one turns to the other one and says, sounds like he's been born again. <laughs> that's impossible he's a mormon <laughs> yeah exactly well this is this is this is the thing i, I would, would like to, to say to all of them yeah okay if accepting jesus and allowing his spirit into your heart to guide you is what the gospel is yeah. then why do we keep thinking you have to be a certain church you have to believe a certain set of doctrines you have to yeah. blah 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 why can't we love each other yeah. as christians be kind and patient with each other I ran into a quote by Joseph Smith that I typed onto a three by five card and carried around in my pocket. It was right at the beginning of my mission, which is Christians should cease wrangling with each other and cultivate the spirit of love and friendship in their midst. Mm -hmm. And only in this way can the great millennial peace be brought about. Yeah. We ought to quit, we gotta quit arguing. God doesn't want us arguing with each other about intellectual ideas of doctrine and who's right and who's wrong. He wants us to humbly yeah. love and serve each other and try to and understand that if we guide people to him, he will eventually correct all their doctrines. Mm -hmm. But but if you try to do it, you might destroy their what little faith they have in God because you destroy their uh, understanding of God, yeah. and that's happened to people. You've yeah. you, you've you've tear, torn apart their belief in their church, but they and they lose faith in God altogether. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily leading people to God to try to correct what you think are their doctrinal errors. What leads people to God is for you to have compassion on them in their weakness, yeah. and just be kind and patient. And I hate to argue about doctrine or religion with anybody. I don't need to. Don't don't believe it. Okay, everybody, don't believe in me. I don't want yeah. you to believe in me. I'm not interested in having you believe yeah. in me. I don't care. You you can totally yeah. reject me. Think that I'm an idiot. Blah blah blah. And I probably am. But Christ is real, and Christ loves you. And if you go and seek his forgiveness, he can wash you clean yes. inside. He can change you from the inside out. He has a power yeah. to transform your life. I don't have seek, that power. I don't have it. Yeah, you don't have, you seek him. No. You yeah. seek him. Don't, don't, don't worry about Doug yeah. and I. You seek him. That's that's the thing I just want to just like, how do I get this through to people? No, it's, you know? that, is, that is vital. <laughs> when I... When I came, uh, my, I had a life change um, through an incident with cancer. Um, very brief, didn't even know I had cancer until, oh, look, you have cancer. And they took, cut it out. And then they tried to tell me I was going to take chemo and I would be forever doing this. And the, the Lord was like, nope. <laughs> the, 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 the cancer, the oncologist said, you'll never be free of us. And when he said those words, that was a really weird, weird way to say something to someone. I knew it wasn't him speaking. It was Satan. And I said, no, I'm free of it right now. Uh, leaving here. And that was more than a year ago. Um, but, you know, it's it's like it was after that that the Lord put it on my heart because uh, I have to go back. In 2007, I'd got done writing my first book and it was written to the RLDS people. And I was trying to free them of tradition and get them to Christ and really have a real relationship with them because that's what I had discovered. And when you discover that relationship with Christ, you want to share it with others. You're excited, right? Come, come see the master, you know, you're, yes. <laughs> you're so excited, you know, and it was breaking me free of all these things, which was upsetting to people. They didn't like that God was teaching me something contrary to what the church was teaching. 
Even if I could hold up all three books of scripture and go, here, this says it, this says it, this says it. And they're like, yeah, but no, that can't be right. And it's just, it was a weird experience. But in 2007, when I wrote the first book, this love letter to the RLDS, and I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Do I need to try to publish this? Like get it published somewhere else or advertise it or whatever. And he says, no, just put it out there. So publish it. I will lead whoever I will to it. You don't need to worry about it. I was like, okay. And then God volunteered information. And that's I always pay attention. When God says something and I didn't even ask the question, yeah. I'm I'm paying attention. So there was like a brief lull where he'd answered that question. I was like, oh, okay, I'm content with that. And then he said, just out of the blue, there's going to be a tremendous harvest out of the LDS church. And I was like, okay. And I'm seeing it happening. Okay. And I, and it, and from that moment forward, I began to have this love grow in my heart for LDS people. And I, I can't explain it. I didn't do it. God did it. Right. And here I am fast forward uh, more than a year ago. And the Lord said, it's time to do, you should do like a podcast or something. I, I, he put it in my mind. It was, I don't know where it was, but suddenly like you should do something like a podcast and start sharing some things that I'm going to put on your heart. And so I started doing that. And before I even put down one episode, he gave me a warning and he said, people are going to look to you and they're going to ask you questions. They're going to send you emails. They're going to want to have you to answer questions for them. And one of the things he told me right away was about their baptism. And the warning was to be careful not to give them all the answers or not to be the answer man, not to be. And here's the thing I realized, and it's it's not just LDS, it's RLDS too, because we've got this um, tradition. And the tradition is we look to men. That's why we have the prophet. You know, we, we set up this idea of, oh, we've got the prophet, you know. Uh, and then you look to them or you look to certain men or the apostles or whatever it is. And we look to them. And that was the great triumph of, of Satan. That's how he overcame the goodness of the Book of Mormon, really, is that we we started looking to men. And this is just human nature. I, it is. I don't think it's it particular is. to any. It happens in many other religions. And exactly. he was warning me, don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. And so I've tried to be careful about that. I'm glad that you brought that up today. It is so vitally important. I don't have the answers. And, and I will, I want to testify to the things that God has done with me and through me to inspire and excite people to seek the same. Okay. But let me tell you what I I've been a part of, and some of the things I've never shared yet, I've been a part of several major miracles where God worked through me. And let me tell you something. And every one of those cases, <laughs> almost without fail, I was at the lowest point. I was at a very low point and I was feeling completely unworthy. And then I was called upon to perform a ministry and it was like an emergency need and there's no one else available. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm the last person. And they're like, Doug, we need you to do this. And I'm just like, Oh, and I'm just thinking I am, I am worthless. You know, like what was me? And the Lord used that. The power of that situation is I went into that situation, of course, repentant and, and I'm, I'm doing all the shame and the guilt thing. Not just, it wasn't because I waited to that moment, but I was in the midst of all the shame and the guilt and that pattern that we tend to repeat. And so because of that, 
and you're just looking at the need of this person. And I just started with prayer and confessed out loud with the person I'm praying for and everything that like, Lord, I, I am nothing. I am nothing. I have no power of my own. I have no ability to, to do anything for this person. You alone are the healer. You alone are the God of Israel, the, the power of creation. Only you can heal. And, and, uh, is that confession, not, not just the words, but I felt it and the knew yeah. the truth of it deep down in my heart. There's been a few times since then, I'll go ahead and confess this where I tried to use that technique <laughs> using, my, using my lip, you know, make these words. The words are just, it's, you got to feel it and know it. And in that moment, in that confession, I, I received the heart of God. The Holy Spirit filled me. I received his heart. I felt what he felt for this person. And a power that is outside of my own flew, came through me and extraordinary things happened. And I will tell you, no one should ever look to me ever to perform a miracle or a healing because I can't. Now, there's been a few times the Lord used me, but he can use anyone. And he can, exactly. if he can talk through Balaam's donkey. <laughs> And I'm not, I'm not exactly confessing that I'm an ass, but <laughs> I may have to blurb that one part out. I don't know. But if God can use, if God can use a donkey or a jackass or what do you call him, he can use me uh, if I'm humble, if I'm right. humble. And I, I can tell you, I've experienced miracles too. And when I've seen the spirit do a miracle through me, I'm sitting back like, what yeah. just happened? What just happened? What, how did that happen? I, I am as I am as blown away as the person who received yeah. the thing. I'm like, oh God! What you know, like because and you see this in the scripture. You shout praises to the Holy One of Israel, yeah. like like the glory is God's. Yes. It's like not ours. Yes. It's His. Yeah. It's His glory. It's His power. It's His His might. His strength. He. It's all about Him. It's not about us. Yeah. And the moment I, we start thinking it is, oh my gosh, there's a dark, there is a dark spirit that will take because, you. Because I've been led into healing and I'm an herbalist and I've done all this stuff with mm -hmm. people. You know, I, I, I always had this habit of praying for people and asking for guidance as to what to do with them and so forth. And what will happen is, you know, I'll, I'll have lots and lots of successes and I'll start to think, oh, I'm pretty good at this. And then God <laughs> throws someone in front of me that I have absolutely no idea what to do. I said, oh, you think you're so smart? Okay, try this one. And then I go, okay, 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 I get it. I get it. I get it. That's not, that's not me. It's you. Yep. Okay. It's human nature. It's human it is, nature. It is human we nature. Never battle it. <laughs> we all we all have to go through that, and it's just it, it is something we have to do to to learn to walk in humility, which is yeah. actually the example that Jesus gave in his whole life. Yeah, I, you know, it's we're going on like an hour and forty nine minutes. So I know we're we're probably coming close to where we need to end here. Yes, but here's what I do. feel: I've really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Uh, I haven't known you very long, but I was really looking forward to this, and I, I hope we could do this again. Um, I would love to format. do it again. Um, I did want to mention uh, before I get we get carried away or whatever, and we forget when we end this. Um, it, we have this gathering uh, at the church um, June twenty third through the twenty fifth, and you're going to be there. 
Um, and I did want to mention, you do work with people in, uh, can you just talk a little bit about the work you do? Because you did offer to, um, to try if people were in need of wanting to get some counseling or, or offer that type of ministry while you're there, if there's someone who needed it. So if you could just share a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I don't know how, how to exactly explain it because it, it there, there's, there's some tools and techniques God has taught me over the years to help people who are struggling with whatever problems they're struggling with. And I, I can't guarantee, you know, what will, you know, how much we'll be able to do, but I, I, you know, I'm willing to try to help anybody who has, you know, uh, problems you're dealing with depression, you know, sickness, anxiety, uh, especially people who, you know, got a history where they've been abused or traumatized in any way. Um, part of the healing process and part of what I think the whole thing of Christ is, is that if we, um, nothing, nothing about this scares me. People being feeling, you know, expressing anger or, or yeah. breaking down and crying or anything doesn't bother me at all. I, I, uh, people can just, I, I, God helps me create a safe space where whatever is bothering you, you can let it out. We just, yeah. and, and, I, and I'll, I'll, you know, do my, what, I, what I can to help you work through it and turn it over to God and, and get behind you. But, but I find until you own it, yeah. you can't, you can't get healed from it. As long as you're trying to deny that you've got this pain and suffering and so forth inside and whitewash it and pretend it's not there, you you can't you, you you've got to go in and truly like get down into the thing of like oh confront know, it confront it i i really in trouble i need help blah 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 and at that yeah. point is when god can come in and say yeah i'm here for you i can help you but when you're in denial he's not going to force you into the light he's not going to force on you this awareness of what's really going on inside of you mm -hmm. you've got to get honest with yourself and that's what i help you do is get honest with yourself and then help you turn it over to God. And then if you can go through that process, I've seen people have, you know, amazing experiences, you know, with that, mm -hmm. but it all comes down to this, this thing that is the point we started in the whole, whole thing of what I figured out. I was putting the cart before the horse. You don't get worthy yeah. to go to God. You realize you're unworthy. You realize that you're messed yeah. up, you're screwed up and whatever, and you need his help and you go to him and trust his grace and his mercy. And he comes and helps you. That so many people is, need to hear that. So many that is that. what you, what I want people to understand. Yeah. And I've had done emotional healing workshops. People come in like this one lady came in and she was like, I'm such a mess. I'm a horrible person. Blah, blah, blah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. By the time she left, she was like, she, she'd had an experience with Jesus and she just felt like a totally yeah. new person. Like she'd go back and face the problems in her marriage yeah. and the things that before were just overwhelming her. That's, that's the goal, but yeah. it happens because of love. It happens because yeah. you create a non judgmental environment where yeah. people are not feeling like, Oh, if I let people see what's going on inside of me, I'm going to be rejected because you're going to go oh, shame on you, blah, 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 blah. And that's yeah. where the church has it wrong. Yeah. We're supposed to meet together and be able to help one another to, to right. create a loving space where people can open up and 
and receive help for their problems, not where they have to try to whitewash and put on their nice suit and tie yes. and everything else. And I'm fine and I don't have any problems in my family and I'm blah, 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 blah. Book of Mormon says that they came, they met together often and they, they talked concerning the welfare of their souls. It says they confessed their sins one to another. Who does that? We don't yeah, do that in that? churches because churches aren't a safe place. And that tells you that churches aren't what they should be. We yes. are far from it. And that's part of the, that's my, the thing that I, that I think is so important about what we talked about today, the love of God, about his nature, because we're, the institutional churches don't reflect his nature. There's a harshness in institutional churches. Now people have smiles. They say, oh, I, I love you, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, God bless, all this kind of stuff. But if you, they find out that you are uh, doing drugs or you're doing you know you're doing something you fall you've fallen or you believe the wrong before. or you believe or the wrong yeah. doctrine or whatever yeah, if, yeah exactly but, then you're out then you're you out are, you're, you're, you're on the a out. stranger and and danger so <laughs> stranger, uh, stranger danger <laughs> which is but, when i when i found myself outside of the church and found a lot of my previous you know lds friends you know rejecting me and actually saying you know spreading rumors about stuff they knew nothing about you know yeah um I prayed to God. I said, God, I thought all these people were really loving. And he says, everybody yeah. loves people who agree with them. Everybody loves the people who think the way they do. <laughs> Amen. That's said, the truth. He said, but where is the love that sees all mankind as your brothers and your sisters? Yeah. Where you seek that love. You, you try to become part of that love where there's no separation between us because you go to a different church or you believe have a different some different religious beliefs than me or or you're having problems in as much as you've done it to the least of these my brethren oh, to the drug addict to the criminal to the to 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 the the homeless person on the street in as much as you've done it to the least of these my brethren you did it to me yeah you did it to me we have to get we have to get into a higher place. Yes. We have to get into a higher place. And the only way we're going to do that is with God's grace. We're not going to do that by our own effort. We're, it's only God's grace that can, can elevate us to where we can start to let his love come through us, shed abroad through our hearts. And that becomes the well of water that springs up to everlasting life. When the love of God starts flowing through you to other people, it leads you to eternal life. Amen. You start to have life abundantly. Your whole life and everything changes because you're allowing the love of God to flow through you to other people. Hmm. I, I, to me, this is also clear, yeah. but... I know that you start talking about it and there are people who raise all kinds of objections. Yeah. So don't, don't worry about the objections. Just go to Christ. <laughs> yeah. Religion will do that to you. Religion will keep you trapped and ensnared and, and blinded. And so, yeah, go to Christ. I mean, that's a perfect way to end what you just shared. Uh, I, I can't, of all the things I thought we might talk about, I guess I didn't really even think or realize we were going to go there, but that was probably the most important thing probably the Lord wanted to bring out today, I think is his nature and, and what it is to love and that we need to be like him and be transformed by him. And the only way we can do it is come to him. We can't make ourselves that way. We can do the fake love. We can feign love. We can all feign love very well. But yeah. uh, Pray, we pray to, to the him, Father with all the energy of your heart that you may be filled with this yeah. love that when you see him, you, 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 you that you will be like like him because you'll be filled with the same love. That's that's, right. that's the hope that we that all of us have who that's right. have been born of God is that one day we can we can 
be transformed to the image of Christ. And the yeah. crucible of life is the refiner's fire. And when the refiner is looking in to see if the gold or silver is pure, the reason he knows it's pure is what he sees the reflection of his own face in the gold Amen. or silver. That's, That's what we are seeking yes. to do, is be the reflection of Christ mm -hmm. to those around us. Well, I've been breaking these uh, two-hour segments up into, into one-hour segments, but I'm not going to do that with this one. I feel like th this whole thing needs to be just as it is, so I'm going to leave it a two-hour thing we're going to put up. Okay. Um, but I, I feel like we should have a part two or whatever in the future. Let's do it soon. Let's sure. have we, There's further discussion, surely, we can have. Um, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it, I love it. Uh, I appreciate you, Stephen, for coming on, uh, well, sharing some of, I know you didn't get to share everything. There's a whole lot more that I know the Lord has done in your life and things you could share. Maybe get another opportunity to do that soon. I would love that. I would too. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate oh. it. God bless. God bless you too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.